and pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray for your blessing upon our time. We ask that your word would intersect with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife, Nancy, and I have been married for over 24 years now. We've owned three homes. In the last two homes, uh, we've done uh, pretty much total makeovers. Uh, we've discovered that if you buy a house uh, when it needs updating, you usually get more house for the dollar. And also because we, we, we kind of like to make our house our home. We like to kind of put the personal touches and preferences and things in place to make it that way. And, and it's, I've got to tell you, there's been uh, some things we discovered uh, along the way about remodeling a home. First, it takes longer than you plan. It costs more than you think it will. It's much messier and more inconvenient than you anticipate. It requires greater determination and more patience than you expected. You know, the same thing is true of our home life and family as well. We all begin with intentions to have the best marriage and the best home life, the best family, and so on and so forth. But when we get into it a little ways down the road, we realize really quickly it's going to take a lot longer than we planned. It's going to cost us more figuratively and sometimes literally than we figured. It's messier than we anticipate. And it requires more determination and patience uh, than we expected. Today we're continuing our sermon series out of the Psalms. What we've been doing over the past several months, beginning in June, is taking different Psalms and different themes and looking at them together. And um, we're going to be getting a new sermon series after Labor Day, but we, today we're looking at Psalm 127 that was just read a second ago by, by Hillary. And, and Psalm 127, uh, as we know, was written by Solomon. Solomon, of course, was David, King David's son. And after David's uh, death, Solomon then became the king of Israel. And you might be thinking, what can this short song, this song that was written thousands of years ago by a man who lived in a very different culture and time, what can it tell us about a building a home, a family, a life together that pleases God? Well, believe it or not, in, this, in this, these five short verses, Solomon is going to sketch out for us a, a blueprint, which in part, at least in part, will help us in building a, a home and a family life that, that honors and pleases God. So turn with me, if you're not still there, to Psalm 127. You can do it in your Bibles or if you have a, a cell phone device that has your Bible on it. We're going to work our way through each of these five verses in the next few minutes here. Now, a couple of things about the context that we need to remember about Solomon. First, the Bible tells us that Solomon was the, the wisest man who, who ever lived. Second, it tells us that he had incredible wealth and influence. Uh, powerful people came from all over the region to, to see him and to meet him and, to, and, to, and just to listen to him and, and gain, gain uh, wisdom from him. Thirdly, we know from the scriptures that he had several hundred wives and concubines, and therefore he had a large, large family. And then fourthly, we know from the scriptures that God gave him the incredible responsibility and privilege of building the temple, a job that his father David had wanted. But but God said, I'm leaving it for your son Solomon to build. And so he was in charge of building the temple in, in Jerusalem, where people would come from all over Israel to worship God and to be with his people together. Now, this temple was large and amazingly ornate and beautiful, and it took several years to build. Over 160,000 workers were involved in its building. It was very ornate and very detailed in its plans. We see that in First Chronicles 28 and 29. And so it's safe to say that Solomon knew more than a little bit 
about about building. But what can he tell us about building a home and a family life? Take a look now at verse one. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. You know, I don't know if you uh, saw on the news this morning, but there was a large, large earthquake uh, in, in Northern California, San Francisco area uh, last night. And from what I've seen so far, nobody was, was killed, some seriously injured. A huge earthquake. Um, but there was an earthquake uh, several years ago in 1983 in, in, in California as well. Maybe you remember it. It was an 8.2 on the Richter scale. This one was 6.0 or so. That one was 8.2, a huge, devastating earthquake. And there was lots of damage and uh, some lives that were, that were lost. In the aftermath of that earthquake back in 1983, uh, builders discovered something. There were houses that were built in a period uh, where they were not bolted to the foundation. And those houses, when the, when the earth would shake and move, they would slide six, seven inches off the foundation. They'd be damaged, sometimes even collapse. But there were houses that were built uh, after a certain period, and they were bolted to the foundation. And those houses, all things might be shaken, shaken up inside the house, things that could be destroyed. They themselves stood firm and, res- and, 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 and weren't damaged. And this leads us to a, a spiritual truth. In life, if we build our, our life upon Jesus Christ and we are bolted into his life through prayer and through scripture, through Christian fellowships, through service, through worship, walking with him, then our lives and our family life together will withstand the storms that send, are sent our way. However, if we do not build our lives upon Christ and perhaps just rest upon him, but not really a vital relationship, not living in him, allowing him to shape us and to build our home, the reverse is true. And the things that God wants to build into our lives and our homes are simply things that model the person and character of Jesus Christ. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. A love for others that is expressed through service for others. A love for God himself. Appreciation for him and his, and his world and his creation and so on and so forth. Those are the sorts of things and more that God wants to build into our character, into our homes, and into our families. And when we don't see those things in our homes, often what happens is that there's a, a passing acquaintance or a faint, faint familiarity with the, with the Lord. And instead of Jesus being the foundation, he's more of an, an addition, sort of a sunroom or a den where we kind of we go to once in a while to relax and enjoy life. Or more like a, a storm cellar or a basement where we head when a, a storm looms overhead. But if we want our, our lives and our life together as a family, our home to last and not be built in vain, we are to do as Psalm 127, as Solomon so wisely tells us, that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Chuck Swindoll, who is an author and pastor uh, from California, paraphrases this verse this way and this theme this way. Work, strive, fret, worry, plan, strain all you wish. But if the Lord is not the very center of your home, all your additional effort to make it strong is futile and worthless. At the foundation level of instruction for a happy home, Christ must be first. Must be first. Not just occasionally, but, but day by day. As we make the choice to relate and to parent and, and to love and to serve in a way which honors God. 
Every day we are to allow Christ to take up residence and to allow him to shape our thoughts, our values, our priorities and our actions. Another Old Testament character, Joshua, said this in chapter 24 of his book. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, the, the, Jesus himself addressed this at the end of Matthew 7. It was at the end of his of the Sermon on the Mount, the longest uh, uninterrupted period of, of, of Jesus speaking from Matthew 5, 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of this, this long, powerful sermon that Jesus gives, he concludes with a parable. Remember the parable at the end of chapter 7? The parable of the house built upon the rock and the house built upon the sand. And Jesus said there was a man who built his house upon the rock, a wise man. And the, the storms came and the rain came down, and the waters came up and, and the house stood firm on the rock. It was not destroyed. And Jesus said there was a foolish man who, who built a house as well, but he built his house upon the sand. And he didn't take the time to build it well and, and, and he didn't think about how he was building it, where he was building it. And the, the rains came down, the floods came up. The storms came and the house was laid flat. And Jesus uses this to conclude his, his, his sermon. And he says after this parable, in essence, to paraphrase, <laughs> unless you put into practice my words and build your lives upon my words and teachings, so too will your house fall flat. But if you build your life and your house upon my teachings, when the storms come and when life hits you hard, your house, your faith, your relationships will stand firm. That leads us to the first step in building a house that will stand, that pleases God, and that is to make the Lord Jesus Christ himself your foundation. Next, verse 2. In vain you rise early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Those seem like kind of odd phrases or thoughts to pair together. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toying for food you eat to eat, and then for he grants sleep to those he loves. What is sleep and, and, and striving and working and toiling for food have to do with each other? I think the following story gives us a little bit of insight. After World War II, um, there are many orphaned children in Europe, hungry, homeless, wandering the streets. And so the Allies, in an act of compassion, began to gather the children up into camps, and they provide them a place to sleep, they provide them security, and they provide them food and, and water to eat and drink. However, the kids were restless and afraid. Uh, they, would, they couldn't sleep well at night. And finally, a psychologist came up with a solution. At nighttime, after the kids were put to bed, they each received a, a slice of bread to hold. If they wanted something more to eat, they would get more to eat, but they were not to eat this piece of bread. They were simply to hold it as they went to sleep. And the result was, was incredible. The kids would go to sleep subconsciously feeling, I guess, at some level that they were secure, that they would have something to eat tomorrow. There was an assurance uh, that they would be cared for, that their needs would be met. Psalm is saying the same thing to us in regard to our lives and our work and the peace that we might want or pursue or the sleep that we, don't, that we, that we want and need. He's saying, in essence, that we can work long hours trying to provide for our needs, and we should work hard to provide for our needs and to provide for those that we love. But we must never, ever forget that it is the Lord himself who provides what we need. And notice I said need, not want. All that we need all comes from his hand, and all our blessings that are given to us, not blessings that we earn. If we want to build using God's blueprints, 
we must trust the Lord to provide for us and model it to our loved ones. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that's, that's a promise. And God always keeps his promises. Without trust and without faith in a home, all is for naught. Without trust and without faith that God will provide, we are just simply building a house of cards that at some point will collapse. Look at verse 3. Sons or children are heritage from the Lord, children of reward from him. Now, the original Hebrew word for reward communicates that children were what God shared with earthly parents. In other words, our kids are gifts that God has assigned to us. They are on loan from, from God. They're ultimately his, and he loves them more than we can possibly imagine our love ourselves. And we are simply to receive them as gifts from him. You know, over the course of, of um, their lives, kids hear all sorts of things. Um, they are compared to others. They are contrasted to others for better or for worse. Sometimes they're rejected. Often they're almost always they're evaluated by their performance or lack of performance. In the home should be a place where that is not the case. In the home should be the place where the kids feel secure and loved and precious and cherished. One is a, one of a kind, unique gifts from God. And as parents, that is one of our most important tasks that we can do. It's to let them know that they are loved, they are precious, and they are gifts from God. And one day when I stand before the Lord and he will ask me, Doug, what, would you do, what did you do with, with the heritage, the gift that I gave you in your three children? I will have to give an answer and an account, just as all parents will have to as well. Take a look now at verse uh, 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. That's an interesting metaphor. We hear that children are a gift. Now we hear that children are like arrows. What does that, what does that suggest? I think a couple of things. The first is, is to think about it. An arrow is created and manufactured to be directed towards something. Each child, in other words, is meant to be directed toward ultimately the Lord himself. And as parents, we have an awesome responsibility and privilege and ability to, to shape and direct our children in God's paths. Now, just so we get this straight, this is not an easy task and there are no p- perfect parents. Parenting is not easy work. It's hard work. It's not always like a, a Norman Rockwell painting or like Leave it to Beaver. It sometimes feels like The Simpsons instead or Married with Children. Um, children don't always turn out the way that we hope at the time. Remember that God himself has problems with his children. We don't always do what he wants us to do. We don't always go where he wants us to go. Um, we have something called free will. And he does not seek to control us or manipulate us. And so, therefore, we are not called to be perfect. We are called to be faithful and then to leave the results to God, our Heavenly Father. Proverbs 22.6 says, To train up a child in the way that he or she should go. In other words, point them in the right direction, direct them towards the Lord. And the second half of that proverb says, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. And the way they should go is the way of Christ. 
Our hope and prayer for them is that they increasingly show the priorities, the likeness, the actions, the presence of Christ wherever they may go. Another thing we can say about arrows is that unlike a a sword, an arrow can go where a warrior cannot. Children are described here as being prepared to be shot at a a target or a goal or or a purpose. And the implication is that is that we're to prepare our children to go to places that we ourselves will not have the opportunity to go to face situations that we ourselves will not have the opportunity to face and to impact people that we may never, ever meet. And so as as parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, people of the body of Christ, with all children in our midst, we are to we are to sharpen them through instruction and truth and love. We are to to aim them in God's direction by talking about God's vision for their lives and God's purposes and his, his love for them. For instance, we might have the opportunity to talk to a child about a personality trait that we think God could use in the future, or perhaps a gift or ability, whether it's music or athletics or, or their intellect or whatever, to, to give them a vision for how God might want to use that, not just for their own benefit, but for the benefit of others and for the growth of God's kingdom. We are to direct our children toward the Lord and his purposes. But then we come to to verse five and the fifth step in Solomon's kind of blueprint for building a home that pleases God. And it's the hardest one for parents that is to release our children for the Lord's purposes. Now, I I have three children and I just dropped off my oldest for her sophomore year in college. And it's a lot easier than it was last year, but it's still not easy. And all the way back, I, I, I annoyed my wife by kind of talking about my concerns or my prayers or just, just what could go wrong, different things. I, I tend to worry about my kids. I don't worry about much else in my life. Pretty laid back, but around my kids, for whatever reason, I, I tend to worry. Something I'm trying to, trying to work on, trying to, to, trying to work on. But it boils down to that we are to release our children for the Lord's purposes. You can do everything you can. At some point, you release them and you let them go. And you trust that God will honor what you've done over the years. And you trust that God will care for them and point them in the right direction and guide their paths so that they so they grow and mature and and learn from their mistakes and become the people that God has created them to be and do the things that God has created them to do and pursue the things that God wants them to pursue. Verse five says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, children. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. The transition goes from the man or the parent to the child. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So the question for us is, how do we equip our children to meet the potential enemies, the distractions, the temptations, the perspectives that will draw them away from God and his purposes? We are to equip our children under God's hand, in other words, to help them meet demands and face temptations and deal with situations that haven't even happened yet. And that's a big task. But God does not call us to do things that he does not give us the power and the ability to do. And so, again, as parents, we are simply to pray for them, love them, model for them, point them to the direction of Christ. And when it's time, when they're equipped, we are to let them go, believing and trusting that God will 
allow them to take flight and to do great things for him in his kingdom. And we're coming full circle here. Remember Solomon who wrote Psalm 127, who was described as the wisest man who ever lived. Well, it's interesting. And despite all his wisdom and all the advice he gives us here, he tragically ignored his own advice. The Bible tells us he married women who did not share his values. They pulled him away from God and his principles. And as a result, his children grew up undisciplined, not knowing or following God. And he and his descendants, were told, endured much grief and pain, most of it consequences of their own actions and choices and disobedience. And I'm sure if Solomon were standing here addressing us about building a home, he would say something like this, that we say to our kids all too often, do as I say, not as I do. Because it emphasizes to us, it drives home the point that we can have all the knowledge in the world, we have all the experience in the world, we can have wisdom and insight regarding our homes and our children and our relationships, but if we do not put it into practice, it's all for naught. So, let us be people who build our house upon the Lord Jesus Christ, making him the foundation. Let us be people who trust that the Lord will provide and show it in our actions and perspectives. Let us receive our kids as gifts and let them know how precious they are, that God has designed them for a purpose and directing them towards Christ. And then when it's time, give us the grace and the trust and the faith to release them for God's ordained and God's called purposes. Building a home and building a family is much like remodeling. It takes longer than we plan. It costs more of us than we anticipate. It's messier than we expect. It requires greater determination and more patience than we imagined. But in the end, with the Lord's help, we can build a house that will stand firm upon the rock when the storms of life come their way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for <laughs> your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are our heavenly father, that you love us and you cherish us and you care for us. Lord, we pray that we would learn from you and we ourselves would be parents and grandparents, uh, anyone who has an opportunity to influence a child, Lord, that we would be people who, who point them towards Jesus Christ, who, who cast vision for their lives, that they would see how their gifts, their personality, their experiences, their talents can intersect with your will for their lives and make a difference that will last for eternity. Help us, Lord, to be people who, who trust them to you and release them for your purposes. Help us, Lord, to build homes that please you. We ask this, Lord Jesus, through your powerful and precious name, asking for your Holy Spirit to fill us, empower us, guide us, and direct us. Amen.